What's going on? It's Joey Thurman, and welcome to Season 3 of the Fad or Future Podcast. Yeah, I made it three seasons. What's different about this season? Well, yes, I'm still bringing you the world's top experts in fitness, nutrition, mental health, and more. But I'm also talking about my own personal struggles. I get deeper this season because we can all use a little bit of relatability. So I hope you stick with me, you enjoy this season, and thank you for being here. And as always, you get to decide, is it a fad or is it a future? Because after all, we don't want to be fatties, F-A-D-D-Y. Hashtag don't be a fatty. Do you need to change your algorithm? What's up? It's Joey Thurman. And in the first episode of season three of the Fatter Future podcast, I have Joel Relampagos, good friend of mine, executive producer, but also former and really always addict who discovered Change Your Algorithm, a place where people can go to for free, who have hit rock bottom, who are on their way up, who have struggled mentally, physically, all sorts of problems. We've all been there. And if you've heard some of my podcasts, I have been there too. He's such a good friend of mine. We really get deep in this episode of things that you can actually do to change your algorithm today, right now, tangible, deliverable information that you can use to change your life and yes, your algorithm. Stay tuned with this conversation with my good, good friend, Joel. And remember, don't be a fatty, F-A-D-D-Y, be a part of the future. I truly hope this episode helps you and someone you love. Please share, review, and let people know that they can too change their algorithm. Enjoy. Joel, buddy, it's nice to see your face. I miss your musk, but you know, Zoom is what we're going to have to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. How's it going, man? Thanks so much for having me. Well, you know, I, I appreciate it. You know, uh, people probably heard in your bio, like you've done a lot of things, like executive producer. I mean, you, you're producing a show right now, which might be out by the time this episode comes out, but you have a really interesting story in where your life is headed right now. And, um, you started change your algorithm and you're changing people's lives and minds and habits and things, but you really, you know, as they say with the hair club for men, you're, he, you're not only the president, but uh, like oh. you, you essentially had to fi find this company by finding yourself. Uh, would you mind talking about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, as you know, I executive produced um, a bunch of shows uh, I would say I spent, gosh, over 10 years over at um, NBC's The Biggest Loser, which was such a blast, um, and then uh, continued to exec executive produce other shows like with Ashton Kutcher and whatnot. But during this time, I was actually dealing with depression and anxiety, and my addiction towards alcohol just kept growing and growing and growing. And so it wasn't until a year and a half ago that I was like, I can't live this duplicitous life anymore on paper bank account wise instagram like my life looks fine right like there's nothing wrong with joel and whenever i'm on set i'm like the happy producer but when i come home it was just depression anxiety addiction and so a year and a half ago i chose to take a step back from entertainment for 50 days 
um, and I checked myself into treatment or as the kids call them rehab. Um, <laughs> I spent a ton of money, dude, on this place because I was like, I need, if this is going to be an investment, it's going to be on a really, really good investment. And because it's my life, um, turns out it was the best investment I ever made because I got to work with therapists and other mental health professionals that really taught me how my mind works. So it wasn't a place about how, oh, let me tell you about how drinking's bad and why it's bad for you. It was simply about, let's just talk about how the mind works, where your negative self-beliefs come from, how childhood development works, how all of these stories um, transcend through time and you take them with you and how you can carry it with you if you haven't healed from past wounds. And so by the time I left this place, I basically was like, I'm in entertainment. I can either just continue to produce whatever show lands on my desk and do a great job with it, or I can actually use this vehicle, this mouthpiece to raise awareness and not just entertain, but to actually inform people. And so I created Change Algorithm, with, which is a really large community of volunteer mental health therapists and wellness coaches, all of the above. Um, and we basically offer free classes online um, to literally anybody and everybody. A lot of people see this as free therapy. Um, so in the past 10 months, that change our algorithm um, has been in existence. We now have a community of thousands. We've um, done over 300 uh, free mental wellness classes. And it's been really, really cool to take the lessons that I've learned in order to save my life and then supply that to other people um, without charging a fee. Yeah. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to really be a part of one of your first few kind of test sessions, if That's you right. will. And it was really interesting because it, it came to me and, you know, with this, with this show, I tried most of these things out, whether it's a diet or, you know, tripping balls on ketamine from my depression or whatever. Right. Um, but I did try that out and it came to me at a time where COVID had pretty much just hit and I was just really sad. Gyms closed down and I was getting ready to get on unemployment and, you know, what was me and victim mentality and all this sort of shit. And it was really nice to see. Honestly, I didn't, I don't think I wanted to do the first one because like, I knew that it was kind of a FaceTime type thing or, you know, you send a yeah. link and I would see all these other people like, well, are people going to judge me? Are, are they going to think like something different? Because most of the time when you're seeing a therapist is generally one-on-one, -on -one, Right. Right. Um, so I didn't know what to expect, but, um, I think that was one of the things that got me out of my funk. And as we talked about in that pre-interview, kind of the silver lining and things where I could look at stuff like, Hey, I'm home now. And I can, I get to see my dad or my son run down the hallway and see and say, Baba's home. And, and like, normally I'm not like, I'd be at the gym or I'd be working. And, um, so a lot of these things and the classes that, I went to for a change your algorithm. It was really beneficial. And uh, I just want to say thank you for that. I appreciate it. And you've, you've been uh, a good friend, um, even though we've only met in person a couple of times, which is wild in and of itself. Wow. Um, really, really strange. Uh, anybody listening, Joel and I, like we, my book came out and I sent him a book. He had contacted me and then we met like two or three years later. It was really interesting. Um, yeah. Now, you talk about social media and people seeing that like you, you've got this big executive producer job and then you're turning to alcohol, uh, but people don't see that and they think that your life is perfect. How did you balance both of those? I mean, you're kind of living a, a dual lifestyle. 
Yeah. And truthfully, I didn't balance it. Work was my other addiction. Like work was my escape. And I was dealing with a sense of unworthiness. And I always saw my job as validation and exterior happiness. And people are always going to be going to you. So it felt like this fix, if you will, you know, and I was very focused on making sure that I created great shows, you know, which I feel like I did and running a good team, which I feel like I did. Um, but when I would come home, it was like, boom, now I have to face the mirror, you know? And so there's really no question why I was able to become an executive producer at such a young age, because I was just addicted to just like um, goals and success and all of that stuff. You know, so truthfully, I didn't balance it. And through time, like they say, wherever you go, there you are. You know, those thoughts just grew bigger and bigger and made my addiction to alcohol increase even more. So what was, was there an aha moment or a final straw or like, okay, I need, I need to get this under control? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it was so meaningful and I hope that people really, uh, resonate with this so that they can apply it to others as well but it took a friend of mine to go Joel you have a drinking problem and for me I thought I was hiding this pretty well mm -hmm. right because when I go socialize you know you I would have drinks and whatnot but then I'd go home and drink even more type of thing and so this person totally called me out and that's when it just hit me I was like my gosh this is affecting you know this relationship how much more relationships is this affecting, but other people are probably just too timid to come up to me and bring it up. And literally like that day, I made the decision to um, ask for help. I called my dad the next day, who luckily was with all my sisters. They had no idea. Um, my dad looked into treatment centers. Um, he found like three amazing ones. And then he was like, here, choose one. You know, so it's really amazing when you are provided help and you ask for it because then the cavalry come to you and they're like, we're here to help. And that's when you actually realize who loves you unconditionally. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that's great, but a lot of people don't have that. I think some people, you know, you, you might go to um, your parents and they might say, oh, you're fine. It's not that big of a deal. You're a producer, you know, you're, you're in Hollywood. This is like, it's, it's your week. Like people, people often, they just kind of write that off. So what's your advice for individuals who don't have that support when they think that they do? It's a great question, you know, depending on culture, where you're from, you know, religion, um, mental health is a little bit more accepting in other spaces. Um, and my advice is to truthfully, and I'm allowed to do this because I'm not charging anything, is to go to Change, change Your Algorithm. The website is changealgorithm.com. And Joey, it's like this healing space of peers with no judgment. Um, there's a lot of people there that are going through exactly what you talked about, which is my mom told me that I shouldn't talk about this because it's just a phase. Right. Or my dad told me I'm going to be a disgrace um, to the family if I actually pursue what I want to do for a living. And so there's a lot of guilt, shame, and judgment um, out in the world. And unfortunately, that also exists in our households and within our families. And so that's really what Change Your Algorithm is, is to be um, a family outside of your actual family, you know, because vulnerability to me beats Wi-Fi. 
in terms of connection. I feel like vulnerability is the one thing that can make us connected. I can go on and on about things I've succeeded on. It's just gonna make people back away and it's gonna make them feel like crap and they're gonna start comparing themselves to me and how blah, 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 blah. But when you're vulnerable, like what you did when you joined that class, you go, oh, I'm actually not alone. You know, we're so good at living in a world of trying to be perfect, trying to look perfect, trying to sound perfect. But then all of a sudden, when you actually talk about your scars, people will start to show you theirs, you know, versus trying to prove to others that you don't have any. Yeah. And, and you know, Wi-Fi is spotty, dude. So like, we don't always have that connection. And, and, and that's a really good point. Um, I was on somebody else's podcast the other day and she's like, you know, I think you just want to be more positive. And, you know, sometimes I hear you just being like self-deprecating. I said, but what's wrong with that? Right. Right. I, th- I think it's, it's okay because people will see, you know, the smoke and mirrors and the perception that we want them to see, but it, it's the times where like, Hey, I, I don't feel like working out. I didn't want to get out of bed today. I don't know. Like I've got all these things. I've got all this money, this house, this whatever. I don't have money. Um, you know, but, and then people are as, oh, wow. Like they, they are like me, whether it's you're a producer of a show or you're an actor or actress. I mean, you know, I've dealt with celebrities and they're all messed up and sometimes even more than we are, you know, it gets right. always in this spotlight. So maybe they don't feel as well, like that they can open up as much or, or they're going to be, you know, shamed. That's right. If you will. Where do do you go from there? I mean, change your algorithm helps, but like, what's the, what are those first steps that you can really take? Well, first of all, I want to commend you in what you're doing because you're literally in the industry that could potentially intimidate others Mm -hmm. because you'll have the body where people go, oh, he's perfect. You know, like, gosh, it'll take me so many years to have that body. But what you're doing is you're humanizing yourself and you're speaking from your authenticity you know, which immediately makes people feel like, okay, I can relate to this guy. And then all of a sudden you'll talk about things like depression. And then again, you're gaining people's trust with, oh, I go through depression too. How many times have we seen celebrities in the news and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person committed suicide. Like they had everything. They had all the hit movies. They're so rich. Like, you know, the hot wife and all that stuff. I can't believe they just like gave that all up. But that's because we're all just looking at the cover of the book, really. And so what you do and why I always commend you is because you actually go beyond that and you talk about the substance and the context of it. So really, to answer your question, what really is the next step? It's doing just that, continuing to embrace your own authenticity, not trying to live up towards other people's expectations, understanding that you're in your lane and it's completely different from the other person's. Mm. You know, I think a lot of us, when we are in a time of uncertainty, it's kind of like being in the eye of the storm, right? We can try to go past the storm or we're basically going to get killed or hit by a car that's flying around, or we can just stay in there and focus, find the answer in the stillness versus the chaos, which is out there. You know, I firmly believe in impermanence and the universal law of it. And what impermanent, impermanence teaches me is that the only thing permanent in this life is change. And as, as soon as we embrace change and that it's a part of life, then great. You know, so whenever I'm going through a bad day, I go, this is impermanent. You know, it doesn't mean a bad, la- a bad day doesn't mean a bad life. When I'm going through something amazing, I go, I'm going to cherish this. I'm going to be so, I'm so grateful for this while I have this in my life, mm. you know? And that's the beauty of impermanence. It works for both the negative and the positive. 
Wow. So how would you, if I've got my three-year-old son here, how would you explain to him what addiction or depression is? Wow, that's a really, really good question. So basically, I would say that addiction or depression is when you want to do something that is not good for you. And so I don't know if there is, you know, uh, I don't know what toy or whatnot, mm -hmm. you know, but basically you're just like use of this toy, which is no longer functioning for you, right? It doesn't do the things that it used to do for you in the beginning, but you're still hanging on to it. And so I would show all these other toys that are actually nice and they make you laugh and it's still, you know, it's a lot more colorful versus this thing that you still hang on to, which is, which doesn't serve you. That's good. Nice. I bet you've never been asked that, huh? I've never been asked that. <laughs> but I love you, dude. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, here, here's something that uh, becoming a father and, and seeing you know, him born and take his first breath and I, and I realize, like, I've got this new purpose in life. And I've realized that children are the purest forms of just life that we have like we they only get messed up because they start experiencing these outside things they're just born good and born right. good people so as you know I, I really want to talk about you know especially teenagers right I mean there there's there's so much addiction and um, and all the social media pressures, and especially being stuck behind a computer screen, which is not good to be behind a screen, but at the same time, you got to be like as safe as possible. So people that are just at home, especially those teenagers and um, where, what habits can they start to form that will start to help them, especially if they don't have like the tangible people in their lives. You said you, you can't reach out to obviously the family, the friends, if they don't feel like they're comfortable with that. But what's one thing, like if they're going to go up, go to change your algorithm, like what's one of the first things that they're going to learn? Mindfulness, 100%. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a teenager, I believed that I was my thoughts, you know, but now that I know better and I practice mindfulness, I preach about it all day long. And mindfulness, meaning for anyone that's trying to understand it, meaning that your emotions are real and you can embrace it fully, but your thoughts, you have the power to challenge it. So whenever I would have a thought of you're a loser, Joel, I would go, yeah, I guess I am a loser, right? But now when I hear a thought of you're a loser, Joel, I, as the observer of my thought goes, wait, am I a loser? No, no, I'm not. I've done this, this. I have so many people that love me and I love these people. I got two dogs that I get to walk every morning. I live in California, which is great. Like I literally have to bring in like all the things that I'm grateful for. So that's what I try to teach people is that you're not your thoughts. You are the observer of your thoughts. And yes, it takes work and effort to challenge a thought, but it's so worth doing that before that thought becomes a belief. Uh, a metaphor that I like to use is that when we log on to check our emails, right, the thing's going to say, we want to make sure you're not a robot, Joey. Can you please identify and select all of the crosswalks? And you're like, okay, crosswalk, crosswalk, crosswalk. And it's like, oh, we really want to make sure you're not a robot. Can you like select the motorcycles? And you're like, God, I'm not a robot, dude. And then you like, select the motorcycles. And finally, you get into the website. Right. The same applies to our thoughts. Why is it that we're so easy uh, when it comes to our thoughts, we just let it into our websites, uh, the website of the mind, right? But challenging your beliefs is going, wait, hold on, let me 
check you out for a second. Like, I want to make sure you're real and factual before you get into my mind and turn into a belief, mm. right? Because all those negative things, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. No one loves you. I believe them instantaneously, right? But now when those thoughts arrive, an another great thought is this pandemic is going to last forever and you're never going to be successful ever again. You go, wait, I'm not a fortune teller. I actually can't predict the future accurately. Yeah. So that's a great way to actually go, that thought is wrong, you know? So how do, how do you step outside of yourself and look at yourself, right? I mean, we, we, you, you step outside and especially when you first start doing that and you, and you have all these negative thoughts and you know, I tell people all the time, you, know, you need to be aware and absorb those thoughts. I know it's okay to have the thought. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to even have the, the bad thoughts, like suicidal thoughts and all that sort of stuff. But how do you actually kind of step out like, oh man, like this, this isn't good or it's okay that I had this or I need to just be aware of this and that this won't last forever. Yeah, you remove the judgment. We always are so quick to beat ourselves up and we judge ourselves. You know, what I like to tell people is that pain is certain, but suffering is optional. Hmm. And what I mean by that is when you get into a car accident, you have that initial physical pain. It's like, oh my gosh, I hurt my shoulder. But the suffering that you add on to it is, oh my gosh, what are people going to think when I step out of my car right now? What if somebody sees me? That's so embarrassing. I don't think I'm going to be able to afford this. When am I going to ask for money for this? Um, how am I going to do this? Oh, I can't afford that now because I have to pay for my stupid car. So already we're living in the future versus just acknowledging the pain. You hurt your shoulder. Just go one step at a time. And like Martin Luther King said, you know, just don't worry about the entire staircase, just focus on the next step. Mm. But that judgment, what that does is that it starts to take you away from the present moment because now you're adding more pain into the additional. Yeah. So uh, what were the, when you, know, you kind of checked yourself in and, and you started just you know, speaking and working with all these professionals, um, what were some of the things that, that that helped you right away? So we got we got mindfulness. Was there anything, some sort of breathing or meditation? Is there anything new that you tried that you were resistant to for a long time? Because we're always resistant to this, these things that we don't know, you know. And we we try to read or learn a new subject or new language, and, and and our brain is just saying, "Oh, this is too hard," right? Yeah, yeah. What really helped you? So first of all, back to resistance, when I first came in there, I was resistant from the get-go because dude, I felt like I, I was a contestant on one of my own shows. I literally was like, I'm the LA producer. Not being punked right in. now. There's people like smoking from like Kansas and I'm like, what is going on? I, did, I didn't have a car there. I had like a limited amount of clothes. And of course there were cameras there, like surveillance cameras. Yeah. And I, my first thought was, oh my gosh, I'm a contestant on my own show and I like, I have no control over like anything that I can do outside of here because now uh, I'm living in this space with these other people who I've never met before, you know? So again, there's that judgment and I'm starting to freak myself out. But the things that I was learning that I apply to my day-to-day -day life and I um, teach about along with the therapist and change algorithm is mindfulness, finding forgiveness, um, meaning finding forgiveness for people that have hurt you or um, finding forgiveness for yourself if you've ever disappointed yourself, mm -hmm. um, setting boundaries, 
especially for people that tend to be people pleasers and you're just exuding all of this energy just to make sure that everybody else in the world is happy. But then you come home and you're drained because you have no energy for yourself. Um, self-love, which is a huge thing and that ties into self-worth and self-esteem and how you're the only person that can actually define your self-worth. Gratitude is another big one. Being able to count your blessings versus your problems. Um, what we do a lot is we filter out the positive. Like, you know, you and I can get uh, 99 questions right on a test, but then when we look at that one thing that we did wrong, we're like, oh, I would have gotten a hundred if I just did, if I just got that right. This would have been a hundred, but it's like, dude, you got 99 questions. That's where we're different. I'd be like, hey, I got an A, man. It's, it's totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have been like, damn it. And so, um, and what a yes, nerd. We did breathing exercises, but a lot of it was mind, body, and spirit. You know, I got into meditation a whole lot more. Um, I worked out every single day. And then in terms of the mind, it was really understanding how it works. Because for 30 plus years of my life, I had this, you know, uh, I don't want to say piece of Ikea furniture, right? But the instructions were in a totally different language. So I'm like, I don't know where the leg goes and the screws, how many screws, but now I learned how to read the language of that manual. And I'm like, oh, got it. Now I know how to put this together. Now I know how to use this. Yeah. So, well, Ikea furniture, I just had my wife put it together because she, yeah. she's good at that. So that, that <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, you said something about um, saying no. How do you learn to say no? Because I think people, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I heard a quote before, um, your yes will never be as powerful until you learn to say no. That's right. Like, how, how do you do that? Is people to try to pull you in all sorts of different directions, and especially, you know, I say that you need to get rid of like toxic behaviors and toxic people and get rid of the bad food and all this sort of shit. Right. But sometimes these people that should be out of your life are your family. Right. What do you right. do? Yeah. So the very first step is to understand what your values are. Sometimes we set up boundaries and we don't even know what our values are and the boundaries are there to protect the values. So what I mean by that is if you don't have your values, you're basically putting up a fence, not knowing where the house is. You're like, oh, I'm just going to build this fence out here out in the field. There's my boundaries. <laughs> but your values is the house that you literally, you know, live in, you know, in your mind and your values can be uh, your kid, your wife whom you love, your integrity, your authenticity, your love for fitness, your love to help other people. And as soon as other people start to overstep those boundaries, you're like, whoa, 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 hold on here. Like that, this is actually gonna go against my values, yeah. you know? And sadly, there are people that we're very close to, it could be a parent, it could be a sibling, um, that are going to try and test us and overstep our boundaries but again, at the end of the day, the longest relationship you're ever going to be in is with yourself. Yep. And it's not selfish to practice self-love, you know? So that's really my advice to people. It's going to be a give and take. You can continue to let other people cross your boundaries, but then it's just going to make you feel bad at the end of the day. And you're compromising your own authenticity and your own values. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point because if you don't take care of yourself and the most important relationship is with yourself and there's times in your life where you obviously need to like, 
you know, put somebody else first for what you, you have a kid. You just can't be like, oh, I need to go and work out and get my sleep. Like you're responsible for this child and keeping them alive. Right. But for the most part, taking care of yourself and your mind and your body and your spirit and, and eating well and sleeping and all that sort of stuff is only going to help the other relationships in your right. life. I think, especially the people that are the, the caregivers and always there for individuals often, they don't take care of themselves and they don't see how that makes sense. That's right. That's exactly oh. right. And that's why a lot of us, you know, struggle with destination addiction, destination addiction, meaning you have this idea that happiness exists in a place outside of yourself. Mm. Meaning like, as soon as I make more money, then I'm going to be really, really happy. And then once you make more money, you're like, wait, actually, no, I want to make really, really more, more money in this platform, then I'll be happy. And then you get there and you're like, oh, not enough people are watching me. Okay, when I make more, more, more viewers, then I'll be really, really happy but then all of a sudden you're forgetting everything else in your life. So what I like to say is stop chasing, stop chasing. You are the destination. Like everything we need is literally right here. You wanna work out, go work out. I'm sure you've got a million workouts that involve no equipment. Right. You know, you wanna meditate and sit, you can do it right here. Sit down, no matter how loud it is out there, your inner peace can always be in your control. Train yourself to find the answers and block out the, the noise, the cacophony of everything, you know? And then you wanna understand your mind, then sit down and listen to your thoughts. Try to figure out which ones you can challenge, which ones are false and which one are true. You know, that's why I say, stop the chase. You're the destination. How do you know which ones are false? Oh my gosh. So basically, I love these questions. You're a great interviewer. So 90% of our brain power is subconscious. 10% of it is the consciousness. So that 90% of subconscious, you know, that's where our beliefs lie from the developmental stages of childhood, zero to seven right? And then we carry it with us into adulthood. Our consciousness, that 10% knows the truth. So I know I'm talking to Joey, Joey Thurman right now, and I, I'm looking at a laptop. And so basically, with, with addiction, for example, I know that I really, really wanted to quit. But my subconscious, which is my old story, my old belief would go, yeah, but you have no purpose in life anymore. And so you should just probably continue to drink and you're really familiar with it and it numbs the pain. So you should just try that. But my consciousness is like, no, no, I, I actually don't want to drink anymore. Like I want to become better. Mm. And then my subconscious goes, yeah, but no one's going to like love you regardless. So just continue to drink. So I know it's false when it comes to my consciousness right? That part of me that knows that I want to become better, that knows that I can be empowered, that I can be fulfilled. So what I did was that I revisited the stories in my subconscious and go, all right, how do I prove these stories wrong? Because I'm tired of living this story. And that's why the program is called Change Your Algorithm, yeah. you know, because we abide by the algorithm of our lives. We wake up, brush our teeth, shower, you know, take care of your kid, do all that stuff, check email, and then go back to bed. But those thoughts are also a part of our algorithm. We respond to life based off of those beliefs. But like things all tech, you know, we look for connection. We can store a ton of data. Um, we sleep to recharge. When all things tech have a malfunction, they can reprogram themselves. Our human malfunctions are anxiety, a sense of unworthiness, depression, addiction. And so when you reprogram that software in your mind, then the algorithm of your life is going to change. Mm. Everything starts with the mind. 
That's good. So, I mean, I'm not great at math, so I'm, I'm glad that you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so kind of the, your content, right? It's good. Um, we, we can go, we can go serious and then just throw it. <laughs> We'll come back around here. We just we just made a turn. We're coming. We're we're coming back. Something about math. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody listening. I apologize. Uh, I couldn't help myself. So uh, your conscious is almost like that gut feeling, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's people are like, ah, oh, I, I should have. I I I knew, or something was telling me. So, uh, I mean, listen to that first and try to shut out that subconscious and those negative thoughts? Yeah, and it's not even shutting out the subconscious because it's about having a relationship with it. Mm. You know, anything we try to escape, run away from or numb, it's just gonna find us eventually. And when you do go with that gut feeling, just knowing that it comes from a place that isn't fear. Sometimes we have a gut feeling of, you know, I just need to become better. Um, but is that a feeling because you want to become better because all of your buddies on social media are crushing it and now you're like, oh, I need to become better. Mm-hmm. Or are you wanting to become better because you just want to be better than who you used to be? Mm-hmm. So that comes from a place of love versus, oh my gosh, everyone's succeeding except for me. That comes from a place of fear, right. you know? So that really is the consciousness. Lead with your heart. Yeah, lead with your heart. I think that's good. So is there, is there some technique where people, if they, when they feel stressed and, and overwhelmed, is there something that um, you have found or a lot of the people um, that visit your site that they found that, that helps them out kind of almost, I don't want to say a quick fix, right? But something yeah. that just might calm the noise a little bit. Yeah. So depression is worries about the past. And then anxiety is this fear of the future that hasn't happened. Um, and so the key is to be present. And so one tip that I like to give people is to bring yourself back to the present versus freaking out about the future or being really sad about the past. And so the tip is basically um, coming back to your senses. And that is knowing, um, spotting out what are five things you can see, four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and then one thing that you can taste. So again, yeah. So when I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out right now. Everything's falling apart. The pandemic's going to last forever. I'm never going to find a job. Blah, 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 blah. And your mind's like, that, so that's when you go, okay, let me slow it down a little bit. Let me spot five things I can see, okay. four things I can touch, three things I can hear, two things I can smell, and one thing I can taste. So what that does is you're basically giving your mind this little game to play called how to be present. And then you start to go, okay, now you're like in this present moment and you're pulling yourself out of those scary thoughts. And then once you're in the present moment, you just literally take it one problem at a time. Again, just focus on the next step. Don't look at the entire staircase right? Because we're worried. We're so worried about step 79 when we haven't even gone through one through 78 yet, you know, and step one is in the present moment. Another thing is to do box breathing, which is basically, you know, holding, uh, doing an inhale for four seconds, holding it for four seconds, exhaling for four seconds, and then holding it again for four seconds and just picturing a box. So it's like inhale for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, 
hold it for four seconds. So again, it's a mental game because you're counting in your mind and you're bringing yourself back to the present and the breath is always present. So that probably takes you from that like sympathetic fight or flight state running from a tiger or a lion. I don't think we do that anymore to that, that parasympathetic like rest, digest. I do something called uh, five finger breathing. So it adds that sensory aspect to it. So you take that deep breath in, hold, yeah. and you keep tracing up and down your fingers. And, and it's actually like, very calming. And it's, it's like, how often do you actually like touch your own hand? Like in the like, yeah. inside of your fingers. And that's a very sensitive area. So um, I think that's really good. So where do you hope this, since this is fat or future, right? Where do you hope the future of mental health is heading? I hope that the future of mental health heads into mainstream media. Um, as I mentioned, my goal is to break the mental health stigma. And I know that the only way to break a stigma is to normalize it and to actually put it in mainstream media. And luckily I work um, in television as an executive producer. So my goal is to start to incorporate things that are all mind, body and spirit related, all things mental health related um, in, in my future projects. Yeah. Um, obviously change your algorithm is one of them, but eventually you know, there is gonna be an app that I'm gonna to continue to work on that involves media that is mental health based as well as television shows, you know, done in an entertaining way. You know, but I'm well aware that, you know, like politics, um, mental health is not the sexiest thing to talk about. Right. And so my opportunity is to figure out a way how to actually make it captivating and invoking for others to watch and learn about. Wow. Um, I know that you're going to succeed. I, I have faith in you. I've had lengthy conversations, you know, with you. And um, I, I really am proud of where you are now and where you were before. I mean, I, I, I see a change in you. Luckily, I met you kind of right as you were on the upswing of things and I never saw the downswing, but I would have never known there was a downswing if you wouldn't have been open and honest with yourself and everybody else. And I appreciate that. That's right. Thank you, brother. Well, I appreciate you, dude. Always. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I wanted to keep this because as people with some, you know, me speaking, uh, I have my own, you know, mental health issues and, and depression. I have a short attention span. So we're going to keep this episode less than an hour. Boom. <laughs> See how I did that. That was nice. Everybody. You're welcome. I'm Joey Thurman. This is another episode of the fat or future podcast. Remember don't be a fatty F A D D Y and make sure to check out change your algorithm. What's that website again, Joel? Changealgorithm.com. Changealgorithm.com. All these things will be in the show notes. Check out Joel. Um, he's truly a good guy and he's, he's changing the world. So um, each day you can truly get better for yourself. And remember, it's okay if you have a bad day. Shit's going to happen. Cheers. Be well. Mm -hmm.